0: I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Mauer. And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Touch Them All podcast. Another outdoor episode of the it. Touch 'Em All podcast. The Twins have been playing so well on the road and so crappy at home, we figure... Let's continue that trend with the Touch 'Em all podcast. We'll take it <laughs> okay. out of the studio, outdoors, the difference, outside 1500 ESPN slash Hubbard Studios. Not to
1: rain on your parade, the obvious difference is that the podcast is crappy when it's inside, and it doesn't improve when we take it outdoors. That's true. It's
0: just it's mostly mediocre to crappy just a bad all the time. Uh, what, what if I told you, even though the Twins are coming off of a four-game sweep at the hands of the Indians, they're now 0-7, I believe, at home against Cleveland, and uh, they also got smoked at home by, by Houston. So they've been put in their place by a couple top American League teams. What if I told you about a team once upon a time with a solid one through nine lineup of up and coming, young to in their prime hitters, combined with two reliable starters and not much else after that, that won a World Series? What if I told you about the 1987 Twins? If I'm looking for silver linings to apply to this Twins team, Hmm. I would look at the 1987 Twins, and those guys in that lineup were a little older and more experienced. You had, like, Brunanski had been in the league for a while. I trust this lineup. I trust their top two starting pitchers. Bullpen probably a little bit more trustworthy in 1987, and and they just flew through a bunch of number three, four, five guys and sort of figured it out in a weak American League, and they went and got hot late. There are some silver linings here, whether it's low-hanging fruit, you don't have to win 90 games to get to the playoffs. I'm not totally writing off the season based on what we've seen. Yeah, I'm also not ready to say that they're on Cleveland or Houston's level after what we've seen in the first half of the year. I've talked about this in the
1: past. I think that there are different tiers of teams, and a lot of the feedback I've gotten the last maybe like week or two, but it especially intensified after the Astros series and then after the Indians series, that this team is like a pathetic joke that doesn't show up. And I'm not ready to go there yet. That's like the fourth tier of teams for me. The bottom rung, the you're just playing the season out because the league rules say that you have to, that's not this Twins team, I don't think. The Twins, as, before the Indian series, I know it went down a little bit, but they legitimately had a top third offense in the big leagues, top
0: ten. Um, And I don't know. I think they're sixth in weighted on base average right now as we sit here. I, it, that might be true. I, I knew it had gone down. They Robbie were Grossman is uh, is is number one by 50 points in yeah, weighted on base right. average. No, not quite. Well, they hard.
1: have. I mean, they if you look at WOBA or you look at weighted runs created, plus they are a top third offense. I said that it went down in the Indian series. I'd have to check how far it went down. But, I mean, I don't think it's preposterous to think that they could keep that up i think you could get more out of brian dozier or you should expect more anyway i think you expect more out of what jorge polanco is giving you right now i think eddie rosario has been a hole in the lineup and eventually maybe that flips over to either robbie grossman or zach granite uh joe mauer i don't know we'll see what he gives the full season my only point is that even excluding for miguel seno's mvp like start this is a legitimately good offensive team in my opinion and i don't think that it qualifies the twins as that bottom rung team that fourth tier out of four and i'll I'll go through the tiers again if you didn't hear it on previous episodes the fourth is the teams that don't belong in like in the major leagues if there were relegation the teams that would be looking over their shoulders uh that was the twins last year absolutely never going to make the postseason no hope might as well trade everything that's not nailed down then there's the third tier that's like Maybe playoffs? Hey, I mean, could we win in the mid-80s, and is that enough this year? You're kind of doing the math on the wild card standings. There's that team. Mm-hmm. Then there's the team that's like, oh, yeah, we're going to the postseason. I just, ah, boy, I hope we don't catch the Nationals in the first round. That was
0: the Twins from 2001 through 2010. We're going to the postseason.
1: You know, you feel good about the lineup. You've got enough pitching, uh, barring some kind of injury to your stars, which happened a couple years in there. But that's going to happen to any team over the course of a decade. All right, we're a postseason team. How are we going to match up? How are we playing when we get there? Is Liriano healthy? All, those are the questions that second-tier teams ask. And then there's first-tier teams, which I think is the Houston Astros. Uh, last year would have been the Chicago Cubs. The Nationals, I think, this year. Well, the, the Nationals probably do have to fix their bullpen to really be in that upper echelon. Yeah,
0: which actually, I you know, it's funny. I was uh, We have Hubbard stations in a bunch of different markets. I was talking to one of our friends in Washington, D.C., from... WTOP radio out there, who follows the Nationals very closely, yeah, and he said there's a feeling in Washington D.C. that they won't make that big trade for say David Robertson, and not to like hijack this conversation, I think the Twins should be in the market for say David Rob. I don't I don't know why the top relievers on the market, the guys like David Robertson, just have to be going to the Nationals. Just always yeah. well, going to the Nationals or going to you know the, the New York Yankees or whichever top team. I think you can get, let's say the Twins are in that third tier. Yeah, they are. I think the Twins can inch toward the second tier by just adding a reliever or two without having to give up Nick Gordon or one of your top five to ten prospects. Can I address
1: something that came up on your radio show when we were talking Twins today? And it's a a real beef that I
0: have with your co-host is it Judd where you and jud were like yelling at each other to yeah. end the show yeah that's basically it i <laughs> that, chugged I that, think that's on the touch them all feed if people are listening to this if that's they right. want to hear that too i
1: chugged some coffee and jud got defensive and we just started kind of going at it like two caged cats um there's an there's a visual for you <laughs> <laughs> uh well i just i i don't really get this notion and i kind of made fun of it i have a column on the website uh on 1500ESPN.com about five relievers I'd trade for. It's really more like nine relievers because I gave you some backups if the team was interested in trading, but you didn't want to give up the pieces it would take to land a, you know, uh, Addison Reed or a Brad Hand. um And Judd's contention, and this is like a classic sports media contention that I hate. I have a huge problem. I hear this all the time. Well, I'm not going to trade for a David Robertson because... He's in the division. You don't trade within the division. Well, you're not. Yeah, I mean, Jose Quintana would have been a nice piece, but he's in the division. White Sox ain't trading him in the division. My question to that logic is why the hell not? Why does it just become this black and white line of, all right, we'll trade this guy. If if you're willing to trade a top-end player like Chris Sale or like Adam Eaton or like Wade Davis— Why would you go in and say, all right, we want to get the best package of prospects. We want to win this trade for the future. We'll lose it for the present, win it for the future. However, we're not interested in winning that trade with our closest competitors in the American League Central. I don't understand the logic, and I don't think smart teams in 2017 subscribe to that logic.
0: It depends on how long the length of the contract is for the star player in question. If it's David Robertson... And he's under contract for another year and a half? Well, that shouldn't be a consideration for the White Sox. Well, we're not going to trade him to the Twins because we don't want to have to deal with him for For the next year and a half. He might be back with the Yankees in a year and a half. And he might have Tommy John surgery in a year and a half. But the Twins are offering the best package or the best guy. For David Robertson, I'm with you. I don't think that matters nearly as much as narrative would. would lead Sports to writers it. like it. It's an easy crutch. Well, you can't trade within the division. And so I
1: even joked about it in the column. I said, well, I'm excluding the Central, even though I think there are a couple of good relievers that I'd look at, mm-hmm. either on the Royals or the um, you know, White Sox. And you might say, rightfully so, hey, those teams are in a pretty similar place as the Twins in terms of win loss and run differential. It's true. I can't explain why I feel differently about the Twins. Maybe it's because I'm too close to the matter, and I see the bones of a good baseball team. But it's not me being a homer. It's just I think that the Twins are in a different—they're uh, in a different spot on the win curve. If you play this thing out for the rest of the season, I think that the Twins are a better team than either one of those two. I think if I'm the Royals, I jumpstart my rebuild by trading some of those big names because you can't re-sign all of them. I think if I'm the White Sox, you know, I'm clearly—I've made my decision. So you play this string out. You're not adding pieces right now if you're the White Sox. It makes no sense based on what they did this winter. But if you're the Twins, it's a little bit different. And I really would be looking to add right now, whether it's a starting pitcher, which I know is much, much less likely because the starting price is higher for those guys. But I would be looking to add a reliever. I would be looking to make this a surefire postseason club rather than a, eh, maybe. I mean, if Nick Turley pitches well the rest of the way, we'll go to the postseason. But... That's a hope against hopes. Why would you just wait on that, assuming that it would play out? I think you put yourself in a better position and say, no, we're a postseason, and the rest of this is just sort of like icing on the cake.
0: Yeah, I'm in a conflicting spot with what the Twins should be doing over the next month or so. Why? Because if the Astros, I think there's going to be two or three teams in the American League for sure, and I'd have to look up and down the National League just to see, but I know for sure... The Houston Astros and the New York Yankees are going to be in the market for a starting pitcher. Yep. The Boston Red Sox are now multiple games over 500. they They're contenders. Rick Porcello has been terrible for them. Rick, Rick Porcello had a pop-up season last year. He's not Cy Young caliber to me. He's a solid pitcher who's also underperforming this year. But if they thought that all of a sudden they just had discovered that Rick Porcello was an ace and, um, and now they're finding out that he's not a year-to-year ace. I don't think they thought that. Yeah, well, and well, whatever. Like they got lucky with Rick Porcello yeah, last sure. year. They need a pitcher if they want to compete at the level that they want to. That's right. If one of those teams comes to you and you're Derek Falvey Thad Levine and says, "All right, uh Garrett Cole's gone cuz he went to one of the He Garrett Cole went to the Astros and we're the Yankees. We need to to load up on this arms race." And hey, twins, we know that technically you're in buy mode, I guess, because you're hanging in a weak division. And man, you're, that's awfully condescending. You're like Brian around Cashman. 500, we're gonna overpay slightly, yeah, to pry Irvin Santana away from you. Sure, I think I make that trade and thus punt on the season because yeah. I'm not sure if there's ever gonna be a point um, with with higher value uh, attached to Irving Santana where I could make that trade. uh, uh, we're not going to know what's behind door number one, door number two, number three. So it's all just crazy speculation until we actually see names involved. But I don't know if I would just for sure hang on to Irvin Santana because this team might have a chance to get that second wild card spot. I I should add, I look at this through the prism of the Indians being the clear-cut best team in this division. I think Cleveland starts to run away with this a little bit. I think Cleveland creates... Separation of multiple games between hmm. them and the Twins over the next couple months. Cleveland just has a much better team, bullpen, starting rotation. Even yeah. though Salazar has been hurt and ineffective, sure. I mean Corey Kluber is back. I that team and they they're they're pulling ahead of the Twins with Jason Kipnis still cold, yeah, and, and no with Michael Carlos Santana still cold, and Brantley's yeah. on the disabled list. So yeah, um, if it, it all depends on the offer for sure. If I don't get a great offer for Irvin Santana then, okay, I can let it ride, and I can take my chances and try and snipe that second wildcard spot for 85 games. They're in a really good spot. They could also trade Santana in the offseason, or they don't have to. I mean, yeah. they're, they're in a pretty good spot now that they're, the lineup is coming together and Jose Barrios' light bulb is going on, and they've got some young guys who are contributing offensively. So I've
1: got, like, four things to say to that, and I'm going to try to say them all before I forget them. One is that the Twins are kind of like the small stack at the table, and if to use the poker analogy, they can kind of play a little reckless. So, uh, yeah, you could sit tight and wait for a monster, which is what a lot of fans I hear arguing on Twitter. Just wait it out, play out the string in 2017, trade Brian Dozier, trade Brandon Kinsler, trade Urban Santana. Um, or, or you could just kind of mess around and get into some hands that you maybe don't belong in and hope to get lucky on the flop. And now you're in the driver's seat. I'm not saying they could get themselves into the driver's seat. So that's point one. Point two is that entering the weekend the Twins and Indians had scored an identical 310 runs in an identical 66 games. Hmm. The difference between those two teams, despite identical records, it was eerie how similar they were in those regards. Not so similar on the pitching side of things. As national pundits, uh, you know, wax over what's gone wrong with the Indians' pitching staff, uh, the Indians had still given up, on average, one fewer run per game than the Twins. That's in That stretch. How shocking is that? I mean, not shocking if you've watched this team, mm-hmm. but an amazing disparity in two teams that you might think are otherwise kind of similar in terms of early season production. Now, I agree with you; the Indians probably turn it on. So, if you're the Twins, you're playing for probably a wild card spot. But I think you can elevate yourself from that second tier to that third tier. The other thing is that this is my third point: that if you're if you're Derek Falvey, if you're Thad Levine. I'm okay with thinking laterally right now, being flexible to either be buyers or sellers or both. You're that short stack at the table. You can kind of play weird if you want to. You don't have to play by any sort of book. It's not to me. It's not either trade for Brad Hand or trade Irvin Santana, Brian Dozier, Brandon Kinsler, Robbie Grossman, Eddie Rosario, and anyone else that you feel shouldn't be here long-term. There's kind of an in-between for me, and you mentioned the Yankees offer. If somebody overwhelms you for an Irvin Santana, I'm absolutely considering it. So my point, my contention that the Twins should trade for a reliever right now, and I gave you nine names to consider, that doesn't necessarily preclude them from also listening when someone else calls and says, hey, we needed some bullpen fix. We're looking for a seventh inning guy, and we like that ground ball guy, Brandon Kinsler, Or we like that young lefty with team control, Taylor Rogers." What would it take to get him? If I'm the Twins, I'm listening to that. I'm not saying, screw you, we're buyers. Click. Yeah. That's not in my cards if I'm the Twins. The fourth and final thing that I'll say, and I'm so impressed with myself that I remembered all four of them. That is impressive. I really thought I was going to forget I, half I expected
0: of them. tangent on the second one, and then <laughs> what were we talking what was about? was the third yeah. one? <laughs> we'll get to it next episode. Right. I, do, I do that with my friends and family so much. Like, oh, I had a point to make. Two great points off that, okay? <laughs> right half hour later what was the second one what were
1: we talking about oh so the twins uh, do you so remember the fourth one the though?
0: fourth <laughs> one is that if
1: you're the twins and you're knocking on contention's door i understand and in fact appreciate that there's this giant swarm of twins fans on twitter who are in sam Hinky hashtag trust the process mode right now i fully respect that and that was my boat this winter it was let's see what you got 2017's a learning year Don't care if they go to the postseason. Can Sano play third base? Can Byron Buxton build on a strong September? What is Jose Barrios going to offer? All these things. It's a learning year. Can Jorge Polanco play shortstop? Now that the Twins are kind of answering those questions, and they've jumped out ahead of our expectations for how good they were going to be this year, they're maybe ahead of the wind curve projection that I would have expected, so maybe the math changes, The one thing I will caution people who say, hashtag trust the process, trade Irv right now, trade Dozier, trade Kinsler, call up Nick Gordon, move Polanco to second, you know, go full-fledged rebuilders mode despite the fact that you're messing around with 500, maybe a wildcard spot, is that that doesn't just send a message to the fans, which I'm going to be honest, I wouldn't consider if I was a front office. I don't care what my fans think of me. Because if, if well, I'm a long-term if, winner— If
0: your goal is to win and your process is if a I winning go to the process, World Series, then you know that they'll come around if you're right. If I go to the World Series three years in a row, the people who jumped off the bandwagon are either going to get back on or we don't need them. Yeah, I don't think you should be Donald Sterling with the Clippers that he owned for sure, 30 years yeah, okay. and not care about the fans and that you just don't want to put a good product or out the there. the players, apparently. The Cubs kind of did that for a while, too, throughout when I was a kid. They okay. just—hey, they hey, we're filling up the stands, and so so— sure. Be careful when you say that so that fans don't take it the wrong way. I mean in terms of roster building.
1: And if I'm the general manager, of course I'm not going to say that. Like
0: David Kahn came out and admitted that he passed on Steph Curry in 2009 because Steph Curry's people were giving him pushback. And he said because local fans and sponsors – We're so adamant that superstar players would never want to play here and sign here. And so, like, why would you bring a player in who doesn't want to be here? Brutal. Listening to fans and sponsors before the 2009 draft.
1: Brutal. I'm with you on that. Who's going to do it better? Who's going to be better at telling you whether Royce Lewis or Hunter Green is the better prospect? Your scouting department or me or Sports Illustrated or an army of Twitter fans? Mm -hmm. Like, trust you yourself to make the smart decision. But I caution the hashtag Trust the Process group that... If you give up on this season when you are within spitting distance of a postseason berth, I'm not saying this is the only factor, but it's something you have to consider, and I don't see most people considering it. What does that say to a guy like Miguel Sano or Byron Buxton or, you know, whoever? Max Kepler, someone who's a part of this core right now and you think will be when you're winning perennially, if that's your projection for the next two, three, four, five years. Imagine what it says to them long term. When you're going to just give up on this year after they've worked so hard to put themselves in this spot, sure. and then you come to them when they're about to be a free agent and say, oh, hey, by the way, do you want to sign an eight-year contract and we'll buy out four free agent years from you? I'm much less inclined to say yes because you've already shown me a loser's attitude. So just just bear that in mind as you consider trusting the process here.
0: It's a valid point, too. And, and, and just to add to it, Derek Falvey and a little bit to a lesser extent because I think Falvey drives the bus on the leadership culture stuff more than anyone, but, but Thad Levine too. They care a lot about personal connection, building a culture and and getting everyone sort of on, on a one minded path, a single minded path towards some goal. And so if you, if you ruffle that, if you, if you upset that chain or if you, as you're trying to build it, if you sort of, you know, throw a if you throw some darts at the board, and, uh, and 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 I don't know what metaphor I'm looking for here, but if you ruin that initial few months of culture and leadership building and, hey, we're all in this together, we're overachieving, and then you sell when maybe you could buy, I, I understand how that would maybe uh, be a bad thing in the minds of some players. I also think... There's this perception that you have to mortgage the future to improve the current team. And I want to tell you in a second why that's 100% not the case. But I have a car dealership and a service department on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard here in the Twin Cities that I want to tell you guys about that has been servicing cars in my family for 30-plus years. Luther Brookdale Toyota is the first dealership and service department I went to as a 16-year-old Straight out of my driver's test, driving a 1992 Camry. And, you know, there's a reason why my family and I haven't even really thought about going anywhere else. You get the smartest people in what's now, as of the last few years, one of the best facilities, and you get some of the most durable vehicles you're going to find. Anywhere in the world 80% of Toyotas That were on the road 20 years ago Are still on the road today Find out why my family and I Go to Luther Brookdale Toyota 694 in Brooklyn Boulevard You can also snoop the website At LutherBrookdaleToyota.com So this, this notion that You have to mortgage the future If you want to improve This year's team Not only do they have Bullets to fire internally To improve the team Potentially They might be blanks But they have some bullets to fire Which I'll tell you about Okay Um all the relievers that we went over on, on 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 the the radio show earlier today, we're recording this on a Tuesday. You can find some of that deep dive on the relievers uh, in the Touch 'Em All podcast feed. The Pat Nishaks and you know Brad Hand, whoever it may be. You're not giving up Nick Gordon to get Pat Nishak, so uh, you can be buyers without giving up Nick Gordon or top pitching prospects or Royce Lewis. Secondly, I heard Thad Levine on his weekly radio show discussing Phil Hughes moving to the bullpen, for instance. I like that idea. Phil Hughes has been a quality reliever in the past, albeit eight years ago with the Yankees. Yeah. Um, if if a guy like him comes back, there's been some talk that Hector Santiago might go to the bullpen. You can improve the bullpen maybe internally. I've also uh, been paying close attention to Fernando Romero and Steven Gonsalves at Double A Chattanooga. They're both pitching out of their minds really well. In fact, the last six starts for Fernando Romero, I want to say he's given up a total of six earned runs and he's striking out something like 12 batters per nine innings. Hmm. Gonsalves, big strikeout numbers. Could one of those two guys pop up and contribute either out of the bullpen or in the starting rotation, whether they go to AAA first or straight from AA? There's still moves to be made on this chessboard internally and externally without giving up top future key pieces to your puzzle. Yeah. So another thing to differentiate in this black or white, should they buy or sell, buyers or sellers, you know, couple of years ago, when they were in a similar position, they landed Kevin Jepsen, who was lights out for the second half if Glenn Perkins hadn't been injured and ineffective. Yeah. they make the playoffs that year, so could you add a Kevin Jepsen type piece, but this year's version and not give up a top prospect so i yeah, so i there's internal options to look at as well
1: yeah i one thing I wouldn't want um and then I've got an a thought on the mortgage thing one thing that I wouldn't want is you just straddle the line, just like be content stand pat sit on your hands i don't like that line of thinking because i think it doesn't give you a good chance this year like let's be honest this team as it currently is is not a postseason team i mean i've been talking about them as if they are but it's because i expect them to do something about this awful bullpen and that maybe find a dependable third starter if it's not too much to ask if they don't do that then they're that fourth category of teams that i talked about they're not in it and that's fine it's just a learning year and just call it what it is it's the rebuilding process hashtag trust the process but but if they do make some of those moves then you're talking about a different club. I will say that if you're not going to uh, if you're not going to trade for people this year then you should be trading people away this year. you should not go into August 1st with this club as it is even if you call up a John Curtis. A Trevor Hildenberger, if Alan Buznitz is still in your bullpen. This is not the answer to me because then you start 2018, like, how are you substantially better than you were at this time a year ago? You're not. I mean, you've got a year of development for Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton, but I mean, after that, I mean, what more do we know about this club really strongly in February of 2018 that we didn't know in February 2017? So I'm not in this stand-in-the-middle, just kind of like let the string play out with this club. I think you either have to be buyers or sellers or both. That's fine. I just wouldn't be stand-patters. But this idea that the Twins have to mortgage their future to be buyers, is I don't like that. I I used a joke on Twitter, and I'm proud of it, so I'll bring it back to the
0: podcast. (laughs) You're testing material on Twitter. It's I'm okay, like, I do it all the time. I'm a
1: modern day Pat Roycey that he will walk through the 1500 ESPN studios with the same joke and try it on a couple people, and if he gets like half the audience to laugh, it's going on Twitter. I've seen, I've seen, and jokes. it's going on the radio. For oh, sure. it's yeah, well, and if it's going on Twitter, it's going on the radio. Um, he, I, I respect the comedic process of that man, and I'm not mocking. It's, it's amazing to watch a joke go through several different iterations and be like. Don't care if this doesn't get a laugh. I'm just going to say it, see how you react, and (laughs) and then maybe tweak a little thing here or there, shorten it for 140 characters, or lengthen it for a radio segment. It's kind of what I'm doing here, but I'm not very good at it. I'm not as well-traveled. This idea that they'd have to mortgage their future I think is wrong to me because that would mean trading like you're trading Max Kepler and you're trading Boreos or you're trading Tyler Duffy or you're trading... Nick Gordon or whatever—that's
0: mortgaging your future.
1: You're taking on a second. I'd be mortgage. fine if
0: they traded Tyler Duffy. For well, sure, something. I'm just saying. I don't know why you randomly threw his name in there. All right, he's not. He's You're maybe just not doing a like like perennial All-Star caliber players and Tyler Duffy in the same sentence. He's maybe That's not. Fine. A, he's maybe not a cornerstone. <laughs> like piece. Miguel Sano could have been in that sentence. Tyler Duffy was the second guy you listed. Third. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the you know, like the Byron Buxtons and the Miguel Sanos and the Adam Wilks. <laughs> All right. Those kind of guys. All
1: right. Now, I don't know who's being more shameful. <laughs> Tyler Duffy does not belong in the same category as Adam Wilk, but I'll digress. You're right. I, I probably oversold his stock there a little bit. I, I wouldn't take out a second mortgage, uh, a giant loan from the bank to help pay down my house that I'm underwater on. But given the current interest rates, I might consider refinancing that home. I might get a little extra side money and sure. take it and say... All right, I'll spin a. Oh, you want a you want Brandon Kinsler? All right, I'll take two two prospects for that, or maybe like one serious prospect and a throw in guy. And you wouldn't that's burn fine. the house down to collect insurance money or anything like that. And you I do. certainly would admit to it after the fact <laughs> if that's what I did. I think my odds of collecting go significantly down <laughs> if that comes out. Yeah. I, I just I don't get the black and white. I don't get the why you wouldn't trade in the division. I don't get why you wouldn't consider adding just because this team's flawed. Of course it's flawed. We all agree on that. And then I also don't get the like the passive. I, I I think you're leading from behind if you sit on your hands and say, well this is the roster we assembled and we'll see what happens. That's a loser's mentality. I think trading would be fine. I think trading for or away, I'm cool with either. I'm just kind of getting to the point where we've got to learn what this Twins team is, and that probably happens over the next 3 weeks.
0: Uh one, one last thing for you here on uh, this episode of Touch 'em All, and then we will like the rest of you take a peek at what they do against the White Sox this week. Depending on when you're listening, we are recording this just before the first game against the White Sox. Did you like my refinancing joke? Uh it was fine. Yeah. Okay. It was Need okay. Some work. I would I it wasn't shape it certainly a didn't like gut reaction no, laugh. No, I did
1: pack you. a punt. I got I got I got to sharpen that one it a little bit. It was too long
0: more. of a build up to be <laughs> honest. We started fighting
1: about Tyler Duffy.
0: Um, you mentioned Byron Buxton in there somewhere, and I, he goes through these stretches where light bulb is on. Here it is, light bulb is on. And then he'll go back to pull happy, which is where, kind of where he's been the last month. But he's been able to make enough contact, a lot of ground balls to the left side. Even his base hits are all left-left. When he was going really well for about three weeks, a lot of the hits were up the middle, fastballs driving him to right field. It still feels like he's doing just enough offensively to stay in the lineup on a regular basis, and they're getting more comfortable just pulling him out once or twice a week and putting Eddie Rosario in center field or or Max Kepler. I'm just—you definitely have to maintain patience, as we're seeing with Aaron Hicks finally breaking out in New York. Yeah. But I just wonder why he continues to go away from the thing that works the best, which is opposite field, up the middle, and then eventually when you get comfortable, maybe that takes another year or two where you can consciously pull the ball, but you're doing it from a place of knowing exactly what you're doing. He's still pulling the ball, I feel like, because he's jumpy and because he doesn't know exactly what he's looking for at the plate. And he's striking out on some of the same pitches, these low-and-away breaking balls. Um, I'm not seeing as much progress from Buxton as I hoped when he got hot after the initial putrid start to the season. Yeah, But he's still enough to keep him up. He's fascinating. He's in a weird spot. He's fascinating because he might be one of the
1: best – defenders in baseball so he's in the lineup he's not getting sent down anytime soon but you you know to use batting average you'd like to see him hit better than 200.
0: His OPS is finally up close to 600 from the 300 range about two months ago. some walks. 600 is not
1: an acceptable number.
0: 700 would be acceptable for me. Sure. If he was getting on base at Let's say uh, a a three hundred clip and slugging four hundred yeah. with some extra doubles and triples and stuff mixed in there, and playing gold glove center field defense. I don't want that long term. Long term, he should be closer to eight hundred OPS and closer to three thirty weighted on base for those Woba fans in the audience. He is seriously.
1: This was last weekend. I tweeted it. He had a couple of hits in a game and a walk, and I was like, Byron Buxton is still a fascinating player. That hasn't changed, but he's still unacceptably bad offensively like if you were just isolating his bat he had like a 252 WOBA at the time which if, if you're not real familiar with the scale that's bad that's very bad think about it I don't know how you think about WOBA is it kind of in terms of like what on base it, it, percentage it's would close be? to what on base yeah. it's how I think about it 300 you're kind of like oh,
0: okay, alright yeah. I hope you have Massive. some other
1: contributions to offer 400 you're like yep best right. player in baseball we'll take it Yeah,
0: uh, he's at 258 right now as we do this see, podcast
1: see, that's just not enough for me. Uh, like, I have, I've, lo- I've, I've raised my expectations for Buxton, and I'm fine to have patience, and if you're the Twins, you have to exhibit that patience, but it's just annoying that it doesn't get better. And in the process, I think I could poke holes in the process for what the Twins are trying to do with Byron Buxton right now. I don't want him to be a ground ball speed guy. I also don't want him swinging and missing all the time, so I understand the trade-off that you're trying to trade power for contact. Are they consciously telling
0: him to trade power for contact right I now? I think so. I think it's pretty clear with his approach. Like, I would be surprised. I'll put
1: it this way: I'd be surprised if they weren't. It would surprise me if they were saying, "Keep doing what you were doing while it was successful." I think they're saying bat to ball first, and we'll build from there. Now, if there's another step after that, okay. Once you start making contact regularly, we'll add in these other layers. I would be okay with that, because that's more of a long-term play. And if you don't hit for contact, you can't hit for power. Like I, I understand this new-age philosophy of the Josh Donaldsons of the world. Just let her rip, try to hit a fly ball, some of them will leave the park, and you'll get paid. I get that. But if you're a guy like Byron Buxton, who, when sometimes he was trying to do that, was swinging and missing at 50% of offerings— that's not uh, you, you, that approach won't work but yeah, i will his, say
0: his real quick just another stat to throw in here his isolated power which is the gap between your batting average and your slugging percentage so uh, if all you hit is singles then your slugging percentage would be the same as Joe your batting Maurer average
1: usually has a bad iso whereas yeah.
0: miguel sino will have a great iso like best in the league iso right uh, last year, a, a 200 isolated power, a 200 ISO is really good. If you're hitting 300 and slugging 500, or hitting 250 and slugging 450, 200 is a you've you've got some pop, or you're churning extra bases. If you have a 200 basically, ISO,
1: basically the way I think about it is you've got enough pop to offset what could be a low batting average, like yep. a Brian Dozier. And if you get both, are, yeah. then you're you yeah. know, my hitting trout. 300 with a 200 ISO. You know, but but people say, well, Dozier. He hit 42, but he wasn't that valuable. He hit whatever his batting average was. Stop looking at batting average for Brian Dozier. Never cite batting average when you're talking about the value of a Brian Dozier. Yep. It completely misses the Can point. you
0: get on base, and when you get on base, can you get extra bases? Yep. Is, is are Those are the two equations for run scoring. Buxton had an isolated power of 205 last year. He slugged 430 with a 225 batting average. So batting average, you want that to be higher. The on base was low at 284, but yeah. enough... Singles into doubles and doubles into triples that he... And I think he had an inside-the-park home run in there. Some homer
1: pop in September. This
0: year, his isolated power is half of that mark. It's yeah. 104. Yeah. So if he were just turning more of the... If, if he were just hitting balls to the gap that most guys would... You know, the ball gets cut off and most guys round first, and he was turning that into a double an extra five or ten times this year... I think you could almost live more with this offensive performance. If it hmm. was just a little bit more power or extra bases mixed in. I, just, I want him to get on base better than what he's doing right now. Sure. and I have agreed. This could be the
1: kicker. Uh, Twins fans not going to like this one, but I'm about telling the truth on this podcast. Remember uh, this offseason, Phil, when you talked about Buxton's floor? Remember the player you compared him to? Former top overall pick, speed B. guy, Upton, yeah. some power. The artist formerly known as B.J. Upton, now Melvin Upton. I had a scout at Target Field ask me this weekend, an opposing scout doesn't work for the Twins. He said, "Tell me what you think about Buxton." I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "I don't know. It's just there's something there. Great defender, but offensively, is he maybe B.J. Upton?" <laughs> <laughs> Ew,
0: that yikes. scout's been ducking into ESPN Twin Cities. Yeah, I <laughs> said, "Boy, have I got that. a podcast yeah. for you!" I mean, it's a, it's an easy right-handed batter. Uh, African-American, sometimes we fall into the lazy scouting comps. But free-swinging, athletic ability out of this world, there's just something missing when he's at the plate. He's just not fully getting what pitchers are trying to do. There's there's situations where you can watch at home, and you know exactly what pitch is coming, and he can't lay off of it. And I don't know if that's because he's not picking up the spin on breaking ball sometimes, or if he's just overly aggressive... Torrey Hunter and Michael Kadire struck sure. out even in, as veterans on bad sliders low and away. So uh, there's just something frustrating because you see it there, and yeah. you see, okay, if he were to really fully figure this out, say. he'd be one of the 15 best players superstar. in baseball. He's a superstar mm-hmm. in the
1: making, but that making is taking a while, and that's what's manning. If it was, well, he just doesn't make enough contact, he's going to be, uh, that scout, by the way, did give credit for his, defensive prowess. He's better than Malvin Upton defensively, so recognize that. Sure. But anyway, the, the point I was making is that like you see it sometimes. You mentioned not laying off tough pitches. That's what drives me crazy because sometimes you see him work this great at-bat and you're like, wow, did he just get it? And I've stopped tweeting that because then he'll go for four the next day with three Ks and look clueless at the play. Mm-hmm. That is the dilemma of Byron Buxton right now. If you're the Twins, you've got to keep running him out there. He could win a gold glove. He, uh, he gets enough credit, I think, for his range, even though he catches some balls standing up that other guys wouldn't get to laying out. It's incredible how he can shade to right center and then go get a ball in the left center
0: gap at the wall. Nobody makes that catch. Byron Buxton makes it standing up. He's the type of guy that if I were another team in baseball, I'd call the Twins to yeah. see if they were sick of him. Hey, what do you, what do you I mean. Can we buy low? I yeah, wouldn't stop. say that, but can <laughs> yeah. we buy low on Byron? That's right.
1: That's <laughs> right. Hey, Apple's in the tank right now. Can we buy that stock at its <laughs> bottom? Uh, the other thing that he doesn't get enough credit for is his arm's ridiculous. Like, Byron Buxton is, he doesn't take perfect routes yet, but in terms of tools, talent, and ability, he's like the perfect defensive center fielder. Maybe you could pick nits with the fact that he's fearless to a fault, that he's going to hurt himself someday running into the center field wall. But like that's that's a very fine nit to pick. He's a fantastic defensive player. You're going to keep running him out there, and every once in a while you see this ray of hope. That whoa, was that a competent approach at the plate? Did he did he just see that the other pitcher walk two batters in front of him and take the first two pitches mm-hmm. and get himself into a two and zero count, and then take a fastball off the plate because it's not what he's looking for. He wanted to pull something inside. Oh, my gosh. Now he's got himself into a 2-1 hitter's count. Mm-hmm. This is what good hitters do. Yep. And then swing and miss at strikes two and three. And you're like, well, <laughs> all right, so much for that. I will say no matter what happens for the rest of this year and probably for the rest of next year, Byron Buxton is 23 years old. Next year he's 24 years old and dabbling with success in the big leagues. I constantly lose sight of that fact. I'm constantly annoyed with his sort of played approach cuz I see this like awesome player in there and it's not ready to come out yet. And like once a week I have to say to myself, ah, hold on. He's 23 yet. He's it's it's a process. It's going to take him some time. Don't give up on this cuz it's still in there. So that's my my nutshell Byron Buxton in a long
0: form yeah, narrative. He is with all the frustration, he is still one of their absolute most valuable assets right there with Tyler Duffy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.